Hey, St. Paul, this is episode six of our study on the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm joined by uh, Emily Trotter. Emily, thank you for joining us. It's been a wild ride. It's been fun, hasn't it? It absolutely has. This will be the sixth time. Uh, It doesn't get old yet. I'm still amazed that anyone would want to listen. (laughs) So with that note, we thank you from whatever uh, medium that you're using, whether it's from our website, from iTunes, uh, from Spotify or Stitcher. Uh, we're so glad that uh, you are joining us today. Um, our, uh, our prayer is that over the few moments that we have together is that God would take what is ordinary and make it through the power of his Holy Spirit a message of good news and uh, a, a reminder of his faithfulness and his steadfast love for us today. Last week on episode five, uh, we talked about uh, being willing to wait. We get to the end of that uh, week, and Emily and I decide uh, that this is not finished. This topic uh, has some more things to say about it. Yes. Um you know, because so much, especially now, we are all so familiar with the idea of waiting. Um, and what do you do in it? What, how do you pass the time? How do you, because you, it's real easy to think, well, we'll just sit here and twiddle our thumbs and be bored and think, you know, whatever. We'll just sit here and wait for the time to pass. And it gets real mundane and real boring and real aggravating. So um, we didn't talk about any of that. We talked a lot about a lot of great things last week, but we did not talk about what to do while we were waiting. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it gave us the, the foundation. You know, yeah. we went from uh, Isaiah 40 and we talked about uh, waiting is not just killing time. Waiting has a sense of, of it's, it's very active in the, in the, in the verb form. It's, there's something that's, that's happening alongside of us, in us, and around us. And so we, we look in um, Acts chapter 1, and in verse 8, uh, Jesus gives that great commission that Luke uses to uh, thrust forth that trajectory of what Acts will be like. And he says, uh, Jesus says to them, but you will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit and has, when it has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And he tells them that they are supposed to go to Jerusalem and wait. And just a few verses later, we, we read this verse in uh, in verse 12, that, uh, that Luke writes this, Then they came to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem. So we have the disciples obeying. Jesus says, go to Jerusalem, wait. You will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. And, and they're told to wait. And Jerusalem for the disciples was not a very safe place to be. I mean, just a 40 days, 40 some odd days earlier, you have the uh, religious leaders crucifying Jesus and wanting to get the next uh, one, the disciple. And so they are there waiting. What is the significance of waiting in our Christian life when we take it a step further from what we talked about last week? Well, and something you just said about it's an active thing that the word waiting is an active thing. It's not an inactive thing. Um, And we see in 
in continuing in Acts, just a few more verses down, you know, verse 14 says, they were all continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And I think that that's the key to this, their waiting right here, that they were continually united in prayer. And that gives us such a picture of what waiting should look like for us. Because aren't we all just kind of in this constant state of waiting? Because I think that that's what we are because we're waiting for Jesus to return. And we talked about that last week within the, you know, the Old Testament. They were all waiting for that Savior to come, um, continuously waiting. <laughs> like, is it, is it now? Is it now? How about now? Um, and you mentioned um, Genesis, that the beginning of Genesis. Yeah, Genesis chapter 4, uh, verse 26 is a very peculiar verse. In Genesis chapter 3, after the fall of Adam and Eve, in verse 15, God says to Adam and Eve that there is this, it's the first messianic prophecy, and the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. So it's, it's this this prophecy uh, of what will take place. Uh, of course, now we live post the cross, post Easter, and we can look at it, but just imagine being looking forward to that. And, and then how we typically find ourselves doing, we, we want to actually help God and, yeah. <laughs> and, and waiting, it's not necessarily bad to help God. It really is uh, okay to help God, but there's some things that we are, are to do first. And, and so Adam and Eve, they are looking at each one of their children coming along and said, okay, maybe this is the Messiah. <laughs> maybe this is the Messiah. And so after two or three generations of this, they get to a point in 426 to Seth was also born a son and Seth was a child of Adam and Eve and he called his name Enosh. Nothing more is said about Enosh. And then it says this, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. It was, a, it was as if they said, okay, it's not uh, Seth. It's not Enosh. Uh, maybe there's something we're missing here. <laughs> And it's the first time in the Bible that uh, that, that phrase, that, uh, talking about the people calling on the name of the Lord, actually appears. Yeah. And, we, and we've done that since. Yes. <laughs> and I, something that, about helping God, I read, you know, we can help God, we can do, but we can't outrun God. We can't get yes. ahead of what his workings are um because that'll lead to a mess as we i mean we talked about abraham and sarah last last week with um ishmael and hagar so you can't work ahead that part of that waiting and so that involves a lot god involves a lot of obedience to wait and maybe we might be okay with waiting if we also didn't have to be obedient to the waiting (laughs) it might be okay (laughs) i'm right there with you it seems that in any specific moment, I'm waiting for the very next thing to happen. Yes. The very next thing. Yes. Whether it's I'm waiting for uh, an appliance repairman to come to my house and fix, then I'm waiting for him to leave. Then I'm <laughs> waiting to uh, pick up my daughter from school. Then I'm waiting in line. And then I'm waiting. 
it, it, it seems that our perspective is just on the very next thing that we're waiting for. And, and I think, as, as, uh, as Thomas Merton uh, had written once, is that um, th- that the process of Christian maturation is centered around to step out of the world to kind of refocus yourself, reposition yourself in such a way that you can go back into the world and see things from a different perspective. And I love that. Yeah. We were overrun by the what's next and we don't see, well, what's next on God's agenda? Right. What's next in that arena? Well, and I think too, when we get to the waiting, we expect just like you know, in Genesis, we expect that to be, oh, you said this, so it's going to happen next. That's going to happen. And you feel sorry for Adam and Eve's, oh, you're not him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not you. Next, let, next, who's next? You know, you you just assume that what God has told you is going to happen immediately. But God doesn't always tell you that process. He doesn't say, well, by the way, in that waiting, these things are going to happen. Because there are, and as Shane has been preaching so beautifully about the distractions that happen. And um, Priscilla Shira wrote a beautiful book called Life Interrupted. And oddly enough, I mean, talk about the will of the Holy Spirit and things that as God works things out. I had just finished reading that book before Bo was diagnosed. So I had been reading about life being interrupted and and what that looked like. And I mean, she uses the example of, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You know, dying is a pretty big disruption. Hmm. <laughs> and so, but that was for Lazarus, that was just a disruption because he was raised from the dead. And we know that that was something that had to happen for God to prove who Jesus was, for that to be a, he has raised this man from the dead. He's been in the tomb. That man has been dead and buried. And now here Jesus is. That was something that had to happen. And Mary and Martha and the rest of the family weren't privy to that, the way that that was going to shake down. Mm. But that disruption caused some extra waiting. And I mean, in Joseph, everything that happens to Joseph, him being thrown in, you know, his brothers hating him, throwing him in a pit, getting rid of him, selling him into slavery, and all that Joseph has to do before his time comes and before he is put in a position to save these same brothers that had sold him into slavery. Yeah, and what's interesting about that, and he, and he writes this, as you know, in Genesis 50, what you sought to be evil, God had made it good or sought for it to be good. It wasn't just about saving his brothers. It was about saving and preserving the lineage of that Messiah that was promised mm, back in, yeah. in Genesis 3. Yeah. I mean, that through this line, this, the Messiah would come. We don't like to wait. No. We don't like to wait at uh, a stoplight. We don't like to wait when there's traffic. Um, we just, we don't. We don't yeah. like to late, wait. And um, and I think that is a, a point of self-reflection for us all. But while we're waiting, what are they to do during these times of, of perceived waiting? Because life is still going on. Yeah. What, what do they do in that time of waiting? Well, I've thought about this all week, and the two best answers that I can give you (laughs) is the prayer and the praise. 
and oddly enough, they go, it's, I guess it's not oddly enough, they go hand in hand being in that attitude of prayer and then where that leads you and what that, just the door that it opens up to do that. And, and we know that he inhabits the praise of his people. Right, right. So, I mean, he inhabits that praise and where two or three or more gathered in his name, there he is. Just thinking about those two things intertwined and how you get these prayers that you feel are going to be effective. I highly recommend listening to this podcast by Annie Downs. Her her podcast is called That Sounds Fun. And in June, she had Carlos Whitaker on, who is an author and a speaker. And and I think his new book, Inner Wild, which is on my to be read stack, so I can't really quote it. But he was saying, you know, we can't we have to pray boldly. We can't be vague. We can't cast this wide net and say, oh, I'm just going to pray for Lord bless us so that when a blessing comes, I can say, oh, see, he, he answered our prayers. And this is a conversation that I just had with, with Jake, our, our number two. I said, you know, Jake, if there's something that you want, let's name it. Let's be specific right here, you and I, and every day, you and I are going to, not together, just in our day sometime, we are going to make this specific prayer. In John 15, Jesus is talking about being the vine, and the Father is the gardener, and he, he's talking about these the branches and how they, you know, produce fruit, and um, he says... In John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Then down in verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So I told Jake, I said, look, this is what that verse is. And it tells us specifically to ask. And I said, but Jake, when you ask, the Lord is going to expect if when he answers this prayer, that you are going to use it for his glory. You got to be expectant that it's coming and you got to be ready to move. And you have to be willing to say, look at what God has done. Look at what I have prayed for this prayer. He's not, it's not for us to keep to ourselves. It's not for us to just you know, pat each other on the back or ourselves on the back and say, gosh, look what we prayed for and look what we, what came. Um, so to be that specific and then to be ready to use it to bring God glory, because that's the point, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I think there is. And there's something about also that the answer, it may be no. Yeah. It may be yes. It may be wait, but God does promise to answer. And, and here's the interesting thing. I, this was probably 30 years ago, that um, maybe 35 years ago, and it sounds so, so um, 
childlike. It was told that God's phone number is Jeremiah 33.3. And, uh, I've heard that before, too. Yeah, you've heard it before. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but one of the things, here's what, this is what uh, Jeremiah 33.3 says. Call unto me, and mm-hmm. I will answer you, yeah. and I will give you great and unsearchable things. Uh, or yeah. I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Now, here's, here's the thing. It's like God has this chest, this floodgate that's just waiting to share with us yeah. things. Progressively share with us what he's doing and who we are in him. To remind us in that time of waiting, in that time of destruction, in that time of despondency, that he is ours and we are his. Yeah. And, and he will share and he promises to answer. It may be yes, it may be no, it may be wait, but the answer comes. And whatever the answer is, it's okay. I'm going to trust you and rely that you are the one who knows more than I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine being Joseph, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. To not even be been have been given a glimpse of the significance of saving that lineage of Christ or David anointed king. And it was years before he actually became king. What would it have been like to be David and to know at the same time that, hey, I can't be killed because I'm part of the lineage of Christ, all right? And and to think, what are the stuff that he would have done? But to live into that potential possibility, believing and trusting that God knows what he's doing and he's not taken by surprise. And one of the things that brings us to that while we wait is prayer. Yes. Prayer and worship. Prayer is an exchange. I looked it up, did a word study on it a couple years ago, and I was just shocked that it says an exchange because we think of prayers as being so one-sided that we're going to spend this time before we go to bed, before we, you know, before we eat dinner, we're just going to say, you know, thank you, God. Thank you, this. We get in bed, you know, could you please do this, 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 and this? Okay, amen, good night. We don't allow that intimate conversation, that intimate exchange where you're talking and listening. So when you get these answered prayers, I mean, how is God going to answer his prayer when you're not listening for the answer? (laughs) It's like only calling and leaving messages on an answering machine and then never hearing back. We can't operate that way. (laughs) We have to have those intimate conversations and be willing to get answers, be waiting to, here's more waiting, waiting to get the answers. And then in something that you just said about David, you know, yeah, he knew all that was coming, but in his waiting, he still grew up being a man after God's own heart. We have to live in that way. We have to take what we know, what these promises are. We have to take that and know that we're not just biding our time. We're not just waiting. We're not just sitting idly by. We have to live in a manner worthy of our calling and keep working towards the kingdom, working for that glory to the Lord. 
again, is everything about Jesus? God, is everything in my life about God? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> all of this. He cares. He cares all about it. And so it's the more you look at this Holy Spirit and the question of who he is and what he does and how do you hear him and when do you see him and when does he come and waiting for him, it's all so interconnected to just your relationship and your walk with the Lord and just what you do. I was reading in James earlier uh, or yesterday looking for something random here again, not anything to do with this this, this study at all. Um, and I saw a T-shirt of all things from James 5 <laughs> that had this verse. And I thought, huh, let me look that up. So let me read to you what it says from the Passion Translation in James. This is chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Are there any believers in your fellowship suffering great hardship and distress? Encourage them to pray. Are there happy, cheerful ones among you? Encourage them to sing out their praises. Are there any sick among you? Then ask the elders of the church to come and pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of our Lord. And the prayer of faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed sins, they will be forgiven. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another, and then pray for one another to be instantly healed. For tremendous power is released through the passionate heartfelt prayer of a godly believer and this was written however many thousands of years ago but applies to us and I think so many times when we get in the scripture and we're reading these beautiful words from these writers we're like that was them but it's whoever reads it this is for you just like these people could pray and heal so can we and how many times do we sell ourselves short? I mean, praying for Bo. Was I confident that anything that I prayed was going to change what God thought or what God did? I don't know. I was hopeful that it would. But I don't know that I was convinced that it would. And now I can say there are certain things, of course, with Bo that I am convinced of. And so I can pray back that promise and I can pray back those things that I've already but here again that's cheating because I've already seen what's happened so I'm confident of those things but in that moment did I really believe that God was going to heal him because of something I said I can't answer that I mean I'm gonna say that I probably wasn't very you know (laughs) sure of myself in that moment (laughs) Yeah, and and here's here's the um, the interesting crux for me. Uh, it's I think God understands our limitations. I mean, we I mean, you you even mentioned before we started this that the gentleman in Mark that comes to Jesus says, "I believe, but help my unbelief." Mm-hmm. There's this there's this willingness to just approach to to just take that step and believe that that at least I'm not in control. I don't know what's going on, but I know and I believe and trust that you do. And even if it's just a verbal declaration, I want you to help me, oh God, get to the next step and take the next step and to grow closer and, and to be more confident with uh, who you are. 
as we pro- approach our relationship with God through those disciplines and through those those practices that are done while we wait, um, and even through other moments, but especially when we're waiting, like prayer and praise and, and the other things that go along with that, that that is like opening up to God and giving him an invitation to start taking over um, the the desires, the ambitions that we thought were important, that we thought we were going to strive through. I can't tell you the significance of a prayer that I had um, for my brother that went overseas, and he was deployed um, some 30 years ago overseas in the military. And, and I prayed a passage in Psalm 91. Um, God, you know, God is our refuge, and, and a mighty fortress is our God. And Martin Luther got the words from this. Um, but in the end, he said, you know, for those who call on my name, I will uh, protect them, and I will bring them back. And it was just this promise, I will do this for, you know. And, and so I was just, thankfully, my, my, my brother came home safely. But I thought to myself, what about the people that prayed the same prayer and their family didn't come back? And I thought that even in that moment, those, those moments of, of, uh, of trust and prayer and in our limited concept of what we understand as being God's will is, that, that there is this greater need of of just trusting that he is who he says he is and he will do what he promises mm-hmm. to do and those things that that we pray for those people that we pray for even the insignificant parking spots that we pray for mm-hmm. uh, th- those those are so very important because those are invitations for us to be in relationship with God. It's not that we're inviting him. It's like we're acting on the invitation from God to give over our thoughts, our feelings, our heart. James 1 uh, says, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And then it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, what? He should ask God. It's the, it's, it's the declaration that James gives. It says, If you lack wisdom... Mm-hmm. Ask God, invite him into that situation. Not that necessarily everything's going to be answered in the way that we desire or, or um, what we think, mm-hmm. but we know that whatever happens, we are living into that relationship of believing and trusting that God uh, will do what he says, promises to be with us, promises to support us. And so that, that prayer that worship, those those things that we do while we wait, they develop and deepen that intimate uh, relationship with God. I remember when Lisa and I got married, and I thought, you know, what would have it been like if I only went and talked to Lisa for 15 seconds a day and one hour a week? What if that was all I gave to her? 
Could you imagine after 28 years of what that would have looked like? I mean, why would you even still be, you know, living in the same house? Exactly. And and so uh, we do that with our relationship with God. We'll give 15 seconds here. We'll give right. a short prayer at before we go to bed. Maybe before we go on a trip, we're going to say, okay, we're going to pray for traveling mercies. Those are great. Yeah. But what are the areas of your life that we're not inviting God into? And what what is the worship that is more than just an hour a week on Sundays that when we do our worship and we go, I mean, what would it look like if we took, okay, I know I'm only given maybe five minutes of prayer a day. I'm going to try 10 minutes and then I'm going to just try to listen more. What would, just imagine yeah. if... If that was the perspective, especially in uh, our world today, what what would be different? Well, we think that that verse, you know, pray without ceasing, pray continually. We think that that means that we have to be quiet in a corner, you know, on our knees, head bowed, you know, our hands together and that little that little pose. That's what we think that has to be when you pray. But that's not it doesn't have to be that way. And pray continuously is all throughout your day. Just little, hey, God, wow, thank you for that. That's beautiful. Ooh, Jesus, help me. Um, I mean, I, my brother watched my children one time, and I said, hey, Brent, if they get real bad and you can't control them, just say, Jesus. <laughs> and usually they'll kind of calm down for a minute. And he was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, no, because that's what I say. <laughs> When I get overwhelmed with these children, and this, of course, when they were little, although I still do it now. But anyway, um, I would just say, Jesus, help me. (laughs) Jesus, please come in here right now. Come to this moment and help me. And even just speaking his name would bring a little calm. And it would make my children go, oh, she's calling Jesus. She's real mad at us. (laughs) She's real upset. We better tone it down for a minute. Um, But just things like that. And... You know, you mentioned, you know, the floodgates, these blessings that are waiting for us, just waiting for us. And I think over it had to be, see, I, and I say this every week as well, because it, it all runs together. What has happened in the last six months has run together. And I don't know when I heard this, but the um, one of the pastors at Passion City, his name is Grant, and I want to say it's Patrick, but he preached over the summer or in the spring about worship and what that meant. And he made this point that was really convicting to me, that if we can be all fired up and root and holler for a football team or Get, I mean, how many times when you go to a restaurant and you have this, you order dessert and it comes that you go, oh my gosh, this is the best thing. Whoo, this is so good. I love it. That if we are comfortable enough to give praise and acknowledge something like that, why don't we do that with God? If I can stand in a stadium on Saturday afternoon and cheer and jump up and down with you know, 80,000 of my closest friends rooting on this quarterback, why can't I stand in a sanctuary or an auditorium or in my living room, even by myself, with my brothers and sisters in Christ and get wound up and praise the Lord? 
it was a really convicting thought to me because I have a real hard, I mean, it makes me nervous. It makes me, oh, Lord, there's somebody clapping over there. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm Clapping I might be okay with and an amen after a good song. Yeah. But the the open praise makes us all a little uncomfortable. And so that was really convicting to me to think, wow, I sure don't have a problem cheering for the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> With people I don't know and will never see again. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I really agree uh, that there is this um, disconnect when it comes to worshiping the God who spoke and creation leapt into existence. The one who sent his son uh, to atone, to die for our sin, to shed his blood, to fulfill the unfulfillable law by humanity to do what we couldn't do, to bring us to peace mm-hmm. with God. You had uh, sent me something earlier this week by, from Louis Giglio that said, when, when I lean into the moment, God will take over. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's something uh, that's... A little bit more that goes along with that, that I'm leaning into whatever moment with confidence that no matter what happens, God will not be taken by surprise. Right. When we, when we think about waiting, it's not just killing time. It's just not binge watching our, our favorite shows. Waiting has that picture of a waiter or a waitress, uh, as we talked last week about what else, God, what else? Is there something else that I can do for you? Is there something else that, that, and that initial communication can come through prayer and worshiping uh, God. Those become that catalyst for that deepening relationship. Prayer is not necessarily this complicated thing that we have to have a formula or and if we don't say it right it's like it's not like god is trying to look for the loopholes like oh you didn't say (laughs) gotcha this Uh, no god is waiting look set an empty chair across the way from you and just imagine and believe that jesus is sitting in that chair and just talk to him like you would talk to somebody else. Yeah. The lesson, at least for me, is to see the, uh, that prayer and worship, what we do while we wait, is not this complicated thing. It's just to keep on developing that relationship with God. Right. Right. Well, and to know that it helps so much if you visualize God the Father looking down at you, and for me it does. It helps me to think in situations that he's going, oh my, what's she doing? Oh, I wish she hadn't done that. Or, that was funny and we good one. (laughs) Or, you know, giving me a high five when I'm singing in my, because I don't have a problem praising my Lord in my kitchen or while I'm cooking, singing, or while I'm driving down the road, but giving me a high five, you know, visualizing this friend that I have that, and the way that he would look at me, 
So let me just ask one quick question. What has this done for you in your walk with God? That obviously this is not the way it's been for you for all that, no. you know, that there has been this process and this progress, progressive growth in your, your relationship with God. But looking at what you know now um, about, you know, your relationship with God, your intimacy in the moments of, of pain, in the moments of um, frustration, Mm-hmm. In the moments of uh, whatever uh, we all find ourselves with its our own different uh, flavors, what has prayer and worship done to your soul? What has it done in your heart? It definitely produces a confidence. Even when I'm upset, even when I say, but I, God, I don't want this, or why is it this way? I'm, I, I need this, that, and the other. And I can feel him go, I know. I know. And sometimes that's all he says. But it's given me the, and especially, I can't, I can't even describe, especially the last month with just really getting, sitting down and really looking at the Holy Spirit. And really, you know, searching out books that, you know, talk about it. And the things that I've learned just really in this past month has given me such a confidence. Because I used to think, I mean, I've never been hugely (laughs) on social media. I mean, I couldn't stand Facebook. I didn't last very long when it first came out. I mean, however many years ago. Um, And Instagram I like pretty good because you just get to look at pictures and you don't have to necessarily, well, not you now, you're stuck with all the commentating on current events. But I've never been one that really, I didn't post all that often or anything. And even sometimes I'd say, gosh, I should, I want to say something. I'd be like, no, I can't. I mean, all these people, I mean, all these people that I know, I mean, not all of them may know my, Story. I mean, God, they'll think I'm, you know, just some weird Bible beater if I say this. But I mean, in the last month, I've been like, I don't care. It's fine. I don't care what they think. I got something to say. And I feel like somebody needs to see it. So I'm going to say it. And whoever watches this, just like this podcast, whoever tunes in and hears it, that's who God wants to hear it. And if I have something to say that God wants me to say, then he'll tell me what to say. And that has been so incredibly freeing (laughs) and really has made me, I want to say better behaved. I mean, some of you might (laughs) disagree with me, but, you know, I have to watch it at baseball games. But, um, But this confidence that even though it's not always 100% okay, even though it's not exactly as I want it to be, that it's a hundred percent what God wants it to be. Mm. And if it doesn't work out the way I want it to, he'll help me and he'll eventually I'll understand. I can't wait. I cannot wait to get to heaven and see. Oh, now I get it. Oh man. Wish you'd told me I would have tried a little harder on that. I mean, you know, and, 
And I always question, you know, growing when you're young, you always do this. Oh, when older people say, oh, I want the Lord to come back. Can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait. I'm ready to go now. You know, you don't understand that when you're young because you're like, oh, but I want to live my life. Yeah, I, I want to get my driver's license. Yeah, I want to get married. <laughs> I want to see how many kids I have. I want, you know, this house. I want to go on these trips. I want to do this, that, and the other. Yeah, those are great things. But I truly, oh, it's not going to be anywhere near what what heaven will be like. So it's, I've gotten more of a, especially over the last couple of years, you know, that come on, Jesus, come on. Mm. Just come on. <laughs> I love that. So while we wait, maybe in those moments of waiting, of prayer and um, worship, it's just not a duty or a chore or... Mm-hmm but it is actually doing inside of us what needs to be done by giving God permission to allow his spirit to speak to our spirit, to remind us of who we are. I mean, I, I believe in a sovereign God, but one thing that I believe that God has chosen not to be sovereign over is the human heart. Yeah. And I think that there is this invitation that, uh, that God gives us that says, let me in. Let me be involved in every nook and cranny. Trust me with all your heart. Mm-hmm. Emily, thank you. Once again, <laughs> I am uh, so thankful of you being here and uh, so thankful for your willingness to be on this journey with us. <laughs> You know, I like to talk. I really do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're in the right place. And thank you for joining us today on our podcast. Um, We pray that uh, the Holy Spirit will continue to work in, through, around, above, and below, reminding you that you are His and He is yours.